this is a great opportunity for people to rethink and reframe their relationship. So the way I always look at things that are difficult and challenging, and when you can't see an end especially to it, is okay, right now I need to pause everything. It's a moment to rethink and reframe the situation. And of course it starts with relationships because we know those are mirrors for us, right? It's put in front of us to really show us those parts of ourselves that we want to change and not just about ourselves, but also how we live day to day. I would strongly believe that no relationships are going to be the same when the pandemic is over as they were before. They will either be better or they will be worse. Take the time to rethink the relationship. How do you become a better partner? How does your partner become more supportive of you? And so on and so forth, but really take the time. Spiritually, we would say that everything that you want to be receiving, you better be giving that. If you want more love, you need to be more loving. Welcome to the Spiritually Hungry Podcast, episode 33. Yay! It's funny, today I was, it was a very busy day. I didn't get to see you a lot. I was actually excited to be able to spend uh, at least 45 minutes with you this, this That's evening. That's sweet. That's because <laughs> you had a lot of me this weekend. Yes. Well, well we had snow season. days. Oh, right, right, and, right. Um, that was a lot of kids stuff, but yeah. That's great. It's nice to be missed. <laughs> so we are going to speak about relationships. Funnily enough, when we decided what we were going to talk about, I hadn't realized that it was Valentine's Day coming up this weekend. Oh, wow. I know. I totally forgot. <laughs> As you always do. Yeah, we don't really celebrate. Well, we celebrate oh, the day of love, um, the Kabbalistic day of love, yes. our wedding anniversary in August. But anyway, many people out there in the world do celebrate Valentine's Day. And it got me thinking that I think it's a holiday that some people uh, really don't like, especially if really? they're single. Oh. Um, I think also others feel like it's forced. You know, you should buy chocolate or candy or gifts to go to restaurants. And even if they resent the idea of it, they still do it. Um, but I do think that it is an opportunity to rethink your love in every area, right? A day devoted to love, whether you believe it or not, is still a day you can think about love. And in fact, I want to actually challenge our listeners to think about expanding and growing love every day of their lives, not just on Valentine's Day in all areas, right? Whether it's self-love or which is the first step, or even if you are in a romantic relationship, there is always work to be done, especially in this area. So this is cute too, I think. Um, well, I do want to say though, in this time of the pandemic we find ourselves in, I think for single people, it's been especially, it's had its own added challenges, you know. Well, a lot I, of people feel lonely if they're they not feel, in a relationship. You know what's funny is, I bet you the percentage is about the same. The people who are upset about being lonely and the people who are upset about being with the person they don't really want to be with. Right. I, I agree with that. And I think we're going to get into all of that. Um, well, I, think, I think the statistics are that, I mean, there are a lot of you know people who are planning on divorce and so on, being forced to be in quarantine to some degree with their husband, spouse, well, it's interesting. I came up with a theory actually like 10 minutes ago. Okay. Um, Those are always the best ones. Because I had a lot of like, I had a lot of, are you being sarcastic? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how theories are, are formed. Yes. Or opinions anyway, if you want to call it that. Um, no, but the thing is, again, just to, to clean up that statement that I made. Yeah, you know, go ahead, try um, to dig yourself Yeah, here, here we one. go. Um, that we know that the idea, right, in, in Seth Godin, not Seth Godin, um, um, what's his name? <laughs> the author we both like, I can't forgot his name, David vs. Goliath. Um, 
David Sedaris? No. I'm not even following where you're going. I'll tell you. Give me a second. Give me a second. You've said like a lot of things in the last few minutes. Malcolm Gladwell. The idea of that our intuition, right, is often based on years of both wisdom and understanding. So for you, what I would say is that a theory on relationships would be based on all that wisdom that you have on relationships. So certainly more than uh, so you're than digging yourself out of the hole. Yes, Hopefully. exactly. You could have just you could have just not said the first thing and just said this part. I would have been happier. It would not have been as entertaining <laughs> for who? <laughs> for us? <laughs> for everybody else? Anyway, as I was yes. trying to say, um, so I had a bunch of phone calls today. With people and they were talking about their personal lives, which honestly are the calls I like the most when people are authentic and vulnerable. And um, so this one person I spoke to, he's been married for uh, a few decades and he finds himself in a, in a in a new space and a lot of epiphanies about what he wants going forward and where he wants to be. And I realized with the pandemic, I think usually, you know, because you see this in couples, they've been married 30, 40 years and then why do they suddenly get divorced? And usually they say, you know, when the kids were out of the house, then we saw our relationship in a in a big light because we weren't just parenting. It wasn't always about the kids now and being the busy with life. Distractions are no longer there. Exactly. So what quarantine has done is exactly that, it's right? Sped up that process. For everybody in, in ways they never had to face. Right now, the kids are not only out of the house. The They're stuck in the house, yeah. these two people, right? With each other, having to look at their issues and their problems. And so it, that process that people usually go to or they look at and they start to analyze the relationship and their life and really saying, okay, this is what it's all about. Am I living the life I want or the the relationship or the romance that I want? Now it's like, it's all in front of them and they're forced. And I think that's a lot of what's coming up. So yes, that was my theory. Yes. Um, but I do think for single people, because I want to touch for, for both audiences, right? I think that dealing with fear and insecurity now and the unknown Doing that alone, I think, is very difficult. And sure, as you said, you can feel lonely even if you're in a relationship. But I think there's that added aspect of not having touch, right? Or um, or just a, a, a person around you, right? That that I think we take for granted because we need that to thrive. Absolutely. Interesting. I mean, I like... No, go ahead. I was going to say that... That, um, uh, that was interesting. I was that there's, they say there's eight types of connection that people, you know, with intellectual, there's romantic. There's also, of course, like you said, touch. Mm-hmm. And I think for many people, there's some things you can make up through Zoom and, and phone calls, but obviously there's so much that you can't. Not yeah, I read somewhere that so this man was saying like the closest uh, contact, human contact he's had was when he touched hands with the cashier. And then when he realized that, he realized how starving he was just to, to simply have that, right? And I do want to just, I want to share this cute story because I think it's going to open, I hope everybody's consciousness just to change whatever you think about this time you find yourself in, whether, again, all the examples we just gave, being single or married, feeling lonely, um, and to really approach this place we're in, right? To find that silver lining with really curiosity and openness. So um, Abigail, our daughter, she reminded me of this not that long ago. And of course, it wasn't about dating per se, because she's only eight, but um, but anyway, so she comes home from school and she's a smartwatch, right? Because we live in New York City and we want to make sure that she can reach us if she needs to at any moment. And I'm an overprotective parent. You are. Is that That's an understatement. You are. What's more than overprotective? Uh, crazy. <laughs> no, I'll think of it later. So anyway, she has a smartwatch and she comes home from school and she says to me, um, Mom, you know, I got a call from <laughs> Sam Likely. And I'm 
And she's so excited. And with her <laughs> excitement, I'm actually really like cautious. Like, well, Sam, who's Sam? Is Sam a boy or a girl? Who's Sam? Do we know somebody named Mr. Likely in our family? And then I realized that it was saying spam likely. I think scam, scam likely. Scam or spam. I don't yeah. know, my phone. Anyway, either one, right? So she missed a letter. And uh, <laughs> and I thought it was adorable. But then it got me thinking that 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 excitement she had that like who was trying to reach her and she wanted to discover who this person was and what they had to offer. I mean, imagine if we approached every situation like that, especially even now, you know, I think that a lot of people, especially if they're single, they're opposed to online dating. Like somehow it should be the old fashioned way where you meet somebody. And certainly I'm not an expert. I never had to date online. We did meet each other in, I guess, an old fashioned kind of way, but that's not necessarily the right way or the only way. I think people have a lot of like, sometimes I ask people, how did you meet? And they, they're saying, I'm going to tell you the truth, but we tell everybody else a different story because they ha- they're embarrassed about it. When in fact, I think if we put ourselves out there, even when we discover the relationship with ourselves, with that, again, that excitement that Abigail was like, who is Sam likely? <laughs> you know, that I think will really shift how we approach all things that, um, all connections we want to create. Yeah. And um, so it's interesting because as I was thinking about this topic, and obviously there's a, there is quite a lot uh, both written and beginning to be researched about the way people are handling relationships during this time of Corona. And it's interesting because what you said about your theory, hmm. there, there is a lot of right science around what happens when relationships go through stress. And that's, I think, what, what's really happened, like you said, is that it's really been uh, quickening the process uh, often of of seeds that are already there, but now being stuck in the home, in the house with, you know, your spouse, your your uh, your partner, your really, ball and chain. Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so this actually is a really interesting uh, book, which I do recommend. Second, my, my, my not my favorite because my favorite book on relationship, of course, is Rethink Love. And if any one of our listeners mm. has not yet uh, both read and uh, and purchased and already read completely uh, Rethink Love, I strongly recommend you stop the podcast right now. Go to Amazon and order the book. Well, you've read it cover to cover. I'm yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm I lived sure. it too. <laughs> Some of it. Most of it. <laughs> yes, the good parts. Um, so this Wait, book, did I write the book or did you? Well, you wrote it. Uh-huh. You wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a book called Getting Relationships Right by Dr. Uh, Melanie Joy. And she she speaks about the relationship as an organism, as a as for instance, the human body. So I'll quote here. A little bit lengthy, but I think it's really important um, because really we need to be thinking about our our relationships like about in this way all the time, but certainly during this time. Healthy relationships are like healthy bodies. They thrive when their immune system is stronger than the germs they are exposed to. Creating a healthy relationship, therefore, requires keeping the relationship's immune system strong, Mm. which includes knowing how to identify and treat the germs or external stressors that challenge it. A strong relational immune system, I like that phrase because mm-hmm. I think for all of us, really think about even when COVID hopefully soon is is over and the vaccination becomes prevalent, that, that this view of our relationship as needing an immune system and a healthy immune system, I think is a very important I love that. way to view it. A strong relational immune system is resilient. Resilience is the ability to withstand and bounce back from stress. In relationships, resilience is made up of two main features. And again, two things which maybe we should talk about more, but I think very important for all of our listeners to really you know, take the time to think about. But what we know, to some extent, what enables a healthy immune system for the body. What are the 
two key components for a healthy immune system for our relationships, security and connection. Hmm. Security and connection. The more secure and connected a relationship is. I'm curious how she defines security, though, because that means different things to different people. Well, I think Did she, it, go well, into she that? actually she does. And uh-huh. yes, um, the more secure and connected a relationship is, the stronger or more resilient it is. When a relationship is resilient, it's better able to resist the relational germs it's exposed to. Just as a resilient body is less likely to get sick when it's exposed to a physical germ. If we're exposed to a germ, physical or relational, that's strong enough our immune system can become depleted trying to fight it. We can end up weakened or sick, and we or our relationship may even die. Mm. I think that's a very important place to really start this uh, conversation around you know relationships in COVID, uh, because what what has happened is that there's been a global attack stressor yeah. on on not coincidentally the human body as well, but also on the human relationships that we have. And one of the things we need to think about, yes, now, but really always in our relationships, that relationships must be, or the immune system of the relationship must be strengthened all the time. And the two foundations are causing each other to feel secure in it, and of course, connection. And when that happens, then yes, when the stressors come or the germs come, you will have the the strength to fight them. And what has happened again now is that there's been this strong attack on our both physical immune systems and our relational immune systems. Knowing that, I think it's also important not to be overwhelmed because this is not, for most of us, the normal way we have lived our lives nor hopefully the way we will be living our lives. So it's important to also not overestimate the challenges that one might be experiencing in their relationship. Because you're, you know, we often say this, but we all, certainly Monica and myself, and I'm sure our listeners, always try or strive to live a life that is, you know, the best version of ourselves. But the reality is that we can pick a moment in any one of our days, and and we definitely don't look like the best version of ourselves. So writ large, that's really what's happening now in relationships, is that people are experiencing, you know, the the the, the bad 10% in a very significant way. Where, but but if you take a step back and say, this is not really, again, hopefully, if it, even if it's in a, in a in a stressful state, this is not really what the relationship is. This is what the ten percent of the relationship, and you could take a slice, even in long positive relationships that look really bad. It happens to be that it's very much condensed now. So I think there's two two things that I'd like to awaken our consciousness about. First, that we have to be aware of our relationships' immune system. Again, certainly now when it's probably under attack for so many of us, and but really always. And second, to cut ourselves and our relationship, if it needs some slack, that we are in a stressful situation, homeschooling, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, money, also money issues. Of course. So so when you take a step back and say, this is, not, this is not the way the relationship will be forever, and maybe wasn't before, um, but it does mean that we do, we do want to invest more time and effort to create a more secure and connected relationship. But I do think it's important to not um, make the mistake of thinking that this stressful situation that the relationship is experiencing is the is is the the all the new norm. Uh, yes. The thing is also it's 
I think that this is a great opportunity for people to rethink and reframe their relationships. So the way I always look at things that are difficult and challenging and when you can't see an end, especially to it is, okay, right now I need to pause everything. It's a moment to rethink and reframe the situation. So I think that unless you've trained yourself to look at life in those terms, fortunately we've done, we do that, right? That's the spiritual work. But if you haven't, I can see how this could feel overwhelming and never ending. So pause, take a breath, realize that this is just a moment in time. And actually, what a great opportunity that wherever you find yourself right now in life, right? Why wait till you're 40 years into a relationship or 30 years and there's this big, like we say, life quake, this big change that's happened where the kids move out or now you're retired or whatever it is to say, okay, well, I'm going to reevaluate my life now. This is the perfect time. And and of course, it starts with relationships because we know those are mirrors for us, right? It's put in front of us to really show us those parts of ourselves that we want to change and not just about ourselves, but also how we live day to day. I think it's a very important point uh, that regardless of what the state of your relationship is right now, be it great or as so many people are experiencing, stressful and challenging, what you're saying is that nothing happens by coincidence, that there's actually something positive you can take and actually rethink the relationship. I would take that a step further and say, probably rethink all of your relationships, right? Your relationship as a father to your parent to your child, certainly as a relationship to your, to your spouse or partner, and your relationship to your family members. And to yourself. And to yourself. And to yourself. I think, because I, I think too often in life, even when we have the time, we don't always realize that that unless because the worst thing and, and and this is true whenever we go through something significant in life you either grow from it or wane from it there is no in the middle you can i would strongly believe that no relationships are going to be the same when the pandemic is over as they were before they will either be better or they will be worse and I think what you're saying, which I think is so important, I ask all of our listeners to really take that step back. And even, again, if everything is great, still, if everything is stressful and difficult, absolutely, take the time to rethink the relationship. How do you become a better partner? How does your partner become more supportive of you? And so on and so forth. But really take the time. You know, it's interesting, you know, we, we Monica and I often on our, on our date nights, there's different, uh, um, like these cards that are different. May, you, I, I haven't yet, found great ones, so I don't want to recommend any. But I don't sort know of, if that's fair. I think that we know, we know each other so well that it's it's boring for us. Maybe we'll create cards. Yes. But, <laughs> but, yeah, so, but I just don't feel, I don't feel strong enough about any of them yeah, to agree, recommend them. But but to really, I mean, we take the time to to go deeper in our, both our understanding of each other and our in our connection. And I strongly, strongly recommend that each one of our listeners take this opportunity it might not feel like an opportunity if it's going through stress, but take this opportunity to rethink your relationship because the, your relationship will not be the same post-pandemic as it was before. It will either be better because you've, you're, you're taking the step to rethink your relationship and really going deeper into it, or if you haven't done that, if you're not going to, if a person doesn't do that, then they're going to realize after the pandemic that their relationship has actually gotten taken a step back. And I think a really great question, again, back to that that call I had today, I think it's to go back in time and look at the person you were when you chose the relationship. Because we talk about change a lot. And again, with all this 
new time we have. I mean, of course, we're still working and this and that, but you, we don't have the luxury of the distractions, right? We can't go out to the gym per se, or out to a restaurant or to a bar or, or to, to a friend or to a friend's house or, or, you know, you, so you're limited now in that way, but actually you can take all of that time that you would use and say, okay, who was I five years ago, 10 years ago in relation to this relationship? Why did I choose this for myself? Am I living in the almost where I'm just settling on some level? Am I being half of who I am to be a couple, right? Ask yourself these important questions. Don't be afraid to hear the answer. And then from that space, you might still find that the person you chose is still somebody you find worthwhile, but the way you are in the relationship might be different. And that could be what's coming to the forefront for you. Absolutely. And one thing I would add, it's interesting, you know, um, there's um, a book written quite some time ago, uh, the Road Less Traveled by M. Scott mm. Peck. It's a really interesting book on many levels. And it speaks about love. And one of my favorite teachings or statements from that book is that love is an action, right? Most people think, or if, if we think about what love is, it's, it's a feeling that we have towards a person. But in reality, unless you're acting upon love, you're not really living love. And therefore, what I would say to, to other listeners as, as well, you have the opportunity to, to act with love. What is act with love? Act with sharing towards your spouse. You, I think too often, and I do, although of course it is important to take the time to think about what our relationship, for most people, what that means. What am I getting from my spouse, my, my partner, right? As important, I would say spiritually, 51% of your thoughts should be, how am I going to give more mm -hmm. to my partner? Yeah. Because love is not an emotion or a feeling. Love is an action. And, and, the way to grow love is by acting more with love. So while it is important to take the time to think, I would hope that we are not exclusively thinking, am I getting what I want? Am I getting everything that I need from this relationship? All important questions, but as important, if not slightly more, in order to make your relationship grow, is am I acting with love? Am I, am I giving? You know, it's, you know as, as, I, as I've said before, you know, I have the opportunity to do many weddings, and one of the, we're now in the five hundred, uh, yeah, number five hundred, yes. probably thirty at this point, <laughs> fifty. One one of the teachings that I like to speak about at, at almost every wedding that that I that I am at is the idea that in order for the relationship to truly grow, because we know that a relationship is meant and can be endlessly growing and fulfilling, the thought has to change. Whereas when you're dating, when you're living your life, or maybe even in your relationships with almost everybody else, you desire to receive more from that relationship than you desire to share to that person. It's almost always like that. You're happier in a relationship if at least, I would say for many people, it's, you're getting 90%, you're giving 10%, you're getting 80%, you're giving, but, but at least I'm getting more than I'm, than I'm giving. In a, in a powerful relationship, meaning in a, in a thriving relationship, your desire, and not just desire, but action, is fifty-one at least fifty-one percent of the time giving to the person that you believe that you love, and so therefore, as as, as we take the time um, to take a step back from our relationships, whether as I said we're going through a stressful time or not, don't just think about am I getting everything that I want out of this relationship? Think, am I giving? as much as I need to be giving, in my, to my mind, at least 51% of the interactions in order for this relationship, for this marriage, to be, to be powerful, to be thriving, to be ultimately fulfilling for both of us. I think, as I, I wrote in the book, 
you know, one is ego-based love, right? What are you giving me? How do you make me feel? Do you make me happy? Do you meet my expectations? And the other one is unconditional love. That's the other side of it, where you simply love somebody because they exist. Absolutely. And in that, right, if, if that's how you view the relationship, then of course, naturally, the inclination is going to be to find ways to show affection, show ways of love, just as we do with our children, right? When we have children, for those of, of us who do, when your child comes into the world, you're not asking, what are they going to do for me today? Even when they get a little older and they can be a little bit more independent, it's just not the way it's set up. Instead, you're saying, wow, I love this being so much. What are ways that I can show? And unfortunately, in romantic relationships, and it goes back to this ideal that we have, things we've seen in movies and the way we grow in this culture, that relationships are meant to give you something. They're supposed to provide something for you that you don't currently have. And that in in the inception of it is the problem, right? Because we're setting ourselves up for failure somewhere down the line when the when the euphoria of a new budding relationship wears off. Right, and it's interesting. Again, in in the book, um, the world less traveled, M. Scott Peck says who he was he spent a lot of his life as a psychiatrist seeing patients. He said one of the biggest misconceptions that he had to get his patients through was that most of them did not even understand what love is. Mm. For, for use an example, which is apropos of something we said earlier, not to look, make myself look so bad, but he said that one of his patients came to him and said, you know, my mother loved me so much, she didn't, she didn't let me use the bus until after, you know, I was, you know, 18 years old. Mm. And he, he said to him, he said, he, he explained to him that that's, that wasn't really love, right? It wasn't the love that she felt for him. It it was, it was other, it was, it was other things. And he, he goes into that. But that understanding that, if we're going to be thinking about our relationships, let's also try to begin to shift how we understand love. And again, his uh, interpretation, certainly the spiritual interpretation, is the desire to share with another person. And the, the reality is, again, there's some people who are born with, with a more loving nature, those who are, who are born with less, some people more emotional, some people less. And it's actually something I spoke about um, last week, that we need to grow in our capacity to love. No matter how loving you think you are in your relationship, no matter how loving I think I am in our relationship, for example, I know that if, in order for our relationship to be powerful 20 years from now, I need to grow in my capacity to love. And, and I think for many people, that might be a brand new idea, right? What do you mean? I am who I am. I love how I love. I can, this is the, this is. Or the, I show love the way I know, I know how right. to show and, it. And, and, and this, and I, and this, and I am limited, if I am or I'm not, this is my capacity to love. When in reality, there is actually a way to grow my capacity to love. And by the way, the most fulfilling thing about growing your capacity to love, for love is that you will be more fulfilled. Well, how do you suggest people grow their capacity well, to love? It go, well, there's many ways, but I would go back to what I said before. Act love. Act love. Act love maybe when you don't feel it so completely. That that practice of love, by the way, not just to your spouse. It could be to a friend. It could be to a to somebody who we don't even stranger. know, a stranger. That awakening of actions of love for the purpose of growing your capacity to love will have a great influence on all of your relationships and certainly on your most relation, important relationship with your spouse or partner. But it begins with this understanding, which I think, again our listeners might or might not accept. Whoever you are today and whatever your capacity to love is limited. And don't you want to live a life, isn't it exciting, I know for me it is, to know that I can not only give, hopefully, more love, that's always true, but that I can actually grow my capacity to love. And one of the most powerful ways 
to grow my capacity for love is to act with love. And that's simply the actions of sharing, whether it's to my spouse, or whether it's to, to my friend, or whether it's to somebody I don't even know. Unless I train myself, unless I, I push myself to grow actions of love, my capacity to love will not be able to grow. Well, it goes back to that example I always give with um, with working out, right? If you use your muscles every day, right, and you act with strength and you you take these steps, then eventually you are going to be that which you want to be. And it's right. the same thing with love. And I don't think people actually ever think about love in that way. They think they come into the world with a certain amount or maybe it's tainted from how they received love when they were a child. I mean, we're so complicated as humans, when in fact, this doesn't have to be that complicated. If you want more love, you need to be more loving. If you want in to- In action, right? Not right, just that's what I'm saying. Thought, and if yeah. you want to invite more love in, you need to actually act on it. It's interesting too, because I think sometimes people, as much as love is in our heart, right? They're very um, cerebral about it. It's very much in their mind. And- complicated about it when it really just doesn't have to be that way. There's actually five points, I think, that are rules if you want. I don't like the word rules, but that you can uh, you can start to apply to reframe and rethink and then, of course, act on loving more. So the first is fall in love with yourself. And nobody really talks about that. You know, they say like, accept yourself, you know, love yourself fully, but to fall in love with yourself, I think often people focus on finding somebody outside of themselves to really feel that kind of in love emotion. So this is a great time to reconnect with who you are and not the version of yourself that maybe you find where you are today, but that part of you. And I always say, go back to, and I don't want to say like your inner child, but go back to, to the version of you before we became complicated, right? Just really simply being curious, saying what you mean, giving love in the most authentic way. That's how children do it, right? Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's, and it's true because our love becomes corrupted as we grow. It becomes more ego-based as we grow older. Whereas when you see children giving love or showing love, it's So if that formula, so if we just pure. followed that, right? That That's step one. So fall in love with yourself. The second is be the one. So fall in love with life. I think this is a great time to learn new things that you wanted to learn. Or, you know, we've we've taken up cooking just in our own house. Like we haven't gone out, but we'll look something up. And I'm we'll, quite a very good. You're chef. good at the protein parts. I do veggies. <laughs> or learn a new instrument. I mean, the point is, like, make the most of your life in action. Right? Fall in love with life. The third one is work on emotional connection, and that goes back to what we were saying earlier. To really look at where you are in the relationship and see where you can give more. And from that space, work on emotional connection. Um, and I think, again, this is where people get stuck in what am I receiving, not what am I giving? You know, I think you and I work really hard at this to continuously every day check in with one another to make sure we connect, to um, talk about how we assessed our day, how we felt in it, what came from it, what we want tomorrow to be like. I think that's a really important point. And um, and then the other two are for singles. In-person dating isn't completely off the table. You can go for a jog. You can meet, um, go hiking. You can join a running club. There's other ways to connect. And online dating isn't the only game in town. Again, do something outside of what you normally would do. The point is, take action in every area of your life in many, many different ways. Yes. It's interesting because that idea, I think, 
is something we don't think about enough when we think about our relationships, right? That that idea that there's a lot of um, thought, or even in our mind, or what am I getting out of the relationship? Turning that around actually is one of the most important ways to to give whatever you want, right? In order for a relationship to truly be thriving, you have to be creating a space all the time that both of you feel secure and feel a connection. So Dr. Melanie Joy, she writes that integrity, she calls it the North Star of relationship resilience. And I'd like to quote a little bit. She says, integrity is the North Star of security and connection. It is the guiding principle underlying all other principles of building a resilient relationship. And that's really what we're talking about, because especially now, that the reality is this would be a goal throughout our relationship, that in, how do we create and foster and create a growing resiliency into our relationship? Essentially, we feel secure and connected in a relationship when we trust that the other will practice integrity towards us. Mm. And I think that's the point. The point is, you know, yes, it's important to think about what you get from the relationship, but also the fact that you need to be giving. And spiritually, we would say that everything that you want to be receiving, you better be giving that. I love these two words, though, integrity and resilience. Yes. Integrity is a whole different ballgame. And I don't think that most relationships operate on that level. And that's part of the problem, right? Integrity is really showing up, saying what you mean, meaning what you say, and being and fully present. as the best version, yeah. I don't I don't think a lot of relationships operate that way. And that's why this is such a profoundly amazing time for people to reframe, reset, rethink the relationships because we're going to get busy with life again, right? And you will have this moment again where you wake up and say, okay, well, what am I doing? But now is the time to actually change it. Absolutely. And and like, and I think it's so important, again, I'll, I'll stress this again and again, not just to think about what we're getting, but but what are we giving? Well, it's that's everything. Yeah. If you do that first, by the way, then you're going to see you're getting everything that you need. Right. And I would go so far as to say that to expect to receive out of a relationship what you're not giving into the relationship is almost is crazy and almost impossible. Yeah. So, um, so integrity, as she explains it, is the integration of our core moral values and our behaviors. So we practice integrity when we act in alignment with these values. For example. When you value justice, you practice integrity by treating others the way you would want to be treated. When you treat others unfairly, you violate your integrity. Mm-hmm. Integrity is therefore not something we simply have, it's something we do. Integrity is a practice. It's both a roadmap and the behaviors that result from following that map, which then lead to greater security and connection. And like many other things in life, integrity is not an either-or phenomenon. Rather, it exists on a spectrum. The question is simply how much integrity we bring to any given interaction. Each interaction we have is an opportunity to practice integrity and raise the level of integrity in our relationships and ourselves. And I think that's something, mm-hmm. if, I, if I was, if we're asking our, our listeners to really take the time to assess their relationships, don't just think about, is my partner acting with integrity towards me, right? Is he or she making me feel secure and connected every time we speak? The first question is, how do I make sure that I behave with integrity towards my partner all the time, especially during stressful times? How do we fight? We we, we spoke Mm -hmm. about that a little bit in, in another podcast, but am I fighting with integrity? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, I'd say at least, you know, four out of 10 times, 
when we're in an argument, really certainly the important ones or the heated ones, we don't act with integrity. Well, how do you expect your partner, your your spouse, to to be behaving towards you with integrity if you are not living up to that behavior towards them? Don't expect to get out of a relationship what you are not putting, giving into that relationship. And interestingly, again, um, something that um, my father would often mention, certainly at weddings, is you know that that at least get to the point where even in the worst of times, you you do not behave with less than human dignity towards other person, or in in Dr. Joy's words, with integrity. Mm-hmm. And I think you know if, the, if there's something that we work on again, and, and and of course relationships are always developing and changing. Work on your integrity in the relationship because the 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 resilience of the relationship the the connection and security that you want to feel in the relationship which will make it resilient make sure you you, you put that in and i think every single one of us could point to a few times this week where we did not behave towards our partner with integrity well and again none of us are perfect and we're not meant to be perfect but the, it's much easier to point the finger at what I am not getting from my partner rather than saying, what am I not giving into the relationship? Completely. And and by the way, it reminds me of a story of um, two women I know, and they got in an argument over the toastiness a piece of toast should be, how crisp it should be for a teething toddler. And they were fighting and there was you know a back and forth and incriminations. Were they really fighting about toast? No, they weren't, right? If one of them could have said, okay, we're just having a toast moment and get past it, that would have happened. But instead it became, and they weren't even really fighting about toast. And I think that for a lot of people now, whether it's fighting about, you know, sharing the dining room table as an office or, you know, the partner's foot tapping on the floor while you're trying to type a letter, you know, there's a lot of things in small spaces people are living in, they're together all the time. In those moments, we need to arrive with integrity because you're not going to remember if it's about toast or about the remote control or about foot tapping. You're going to remember how you handled yourself in those moments and also how you were received. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. You want to say something? No. So I, I think that 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 is everything. It's not really, there's going to be ebbs and flows, ups and downs, arguments, and not at the end of the day, you're going to know that you, you'll feel proud of yourself and you're going to know that you did the best in the relationship no matter how it turns out, and especially if you want it to keep growing and you want to stay with this person, if you keep showing up with integrity. Absolutely. And and I think you touched on something which is so important, and I want to really underline what you said, because for our listeners, for ourselves and for our listeners, and I heard this, and it, it really rung so true to me, that in arguments, and arguments could be, you know, slight disagreements, of course, to... to Toast. To, yeah, or... <laughs> Or about more, more. We think that the content is more important than the process, right? When in reality, the, the opposite is absolutely true. That the process, how you are arguing, is much more important than the content, what you're arguing about. Because the reason you are interacting with your spouse, husband, wife, partner, you want to be heard. You want to know that they want to hear you. You want to feel secure with them. So whether you're talking about toast or whether you're talking about leaving the clothes on the floor. Oh, I have a story about that. Great. I want, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> My clothes on the floor? Yes. Just, okay. Um, but but I, the, the content is not only secondary, it's almost completely unimportant because the reality is 10 years from now, you're not going to remember that the argument was about toast or about leaving the, your clothes. But you will remember that that the process or the way the argument went 
left you feeling hurt. And also it defines who you are. This is who you become, by the way. So in 10 years from now, you're not going to like yourself very much if you keep acting with a lack of integrity in those moments. But, and I think, again, I I just, again, stress, and I really ask all, I know when I, when I heard this, it made me stop and think, and in your relationships, certainly in the disagreements and the arguments, always remember that the process is significantly more important, meaning how you will talk, how you will argue, than the content. Because we'd like to think, no, all that matters is is what's right and what's wrong. And it's wrong for you to toast it for five minutes when we all know that you need to toast it for three. Who cares? No, nobody, you're not even going to care about it three years from now, but you will care about the fact that you didn't you you did not feel secure or, or your spouse felt attacked. Whatever those emotions, meaning the the process, the way by which you have these disagreements. And so and the reason for that, again, so that I think is Again, if you really understand that, and, and again, strive to live with that, it will change the way you inter- the way you argue, the way you interact. Realizing that's forget the content is not even number two on the list of it; it's number fifty. The most important thing is the process. How are you going about it? If you if you have an important thing to say, realize that whatever you're about to talk about is number fifty on the list. How you will talk about it, it will be the real indicator of whether you've now had an interaction with your husband, spouse, or partner that will make the relationship grow or take a step backwards. And and second, and related to that, is the fact that if we understand that the foundations of relationship are security and connection, well, that that needs to be paramount all the time, all the time. And when my 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 spouse is talking to me. What do I care about first? The content? Is she accusing me of, of not caring about making a mess? Is is he accusing me of over-toasting? Nobody cares about that. <laughs> right? Nobody cares about that. <laughs> what, 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 what I will remember is, did you or did I, I responded speak to each with other. integrity? I just think that it's, it's everything. It really is everything. And, and, and again, none of us are perfect. But, but to our listeners, if you take this and really think about it and really begin, again, whether you're in a moment in your relationship where you just cannot stand your spouse, or if you're in a moment in your relationship when you love each other beyond anything else, I, in either situation, this is a key moving forward. This is a key to make a relationship. Remember, the process is so much more important than the content. So next time you find yourself in this situation, just ask yourself, you say to yourself, I'm having a toast moment, and really choose the higher road. I mean, because process, honestly, the process elevated. If not, it, it's going to inform secondary. who you become and what your relationship amounts to. Right, and 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 to, to and that's to, why that argument stood out to me. That when I heard that was like five years ago, because I was like, like this cannot be. I mean, really. And in addition to that, really, the is that when the process is right, you can talk about anything. The content it could be from the biggest thing to the smallest thing. By the when way. The, you just made me think about something because the reason I think couples don't have these deep conversations about really important things is because they can't talk about toast. Right, right. When the when the process is wrong, you can't talk about anything. Yeah. And that's the, and how many times it's so it's it's sad and funny and ridiculous. You see couples all the time arguing about this silly thing, but in reality, really, because at the core, what it is undercooked, undercooked soup. Exactly, that was another argument I can <laughs> right. tell you about. I got a lot of them. Uh, uh, um, <clears throat> that make the process better. Realize that that creating that sense of security and connection in every interaction is so much more important than anything that you're talking about. Any of the content, it's just 
really, really is so, so important. Do you want to share a funny story about my clothes? Do you want me to? Uh, if, if it makes me look terrible, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll save it for another day. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that as a, as a gift. <laughs> um, before I, did you want to share anything else before I get to letters? I want to hear your letters. Oh, okay. I see my signature. Yes. Yes. Oh, I was. I wanted to surprise you. Surprise. Um, I just. I'm again before. <laughs> actually, before I know we're going a little bit over time. Before I get to let, I just think it's. I'm so excited. Really, um, you know, whenever we do these podcasts, you know, the hope is that that we say something that that our listeners um, hear and integrate into their lives. From this podcast, my hope is we actually are in some way able to create more love. You know, both in relationships and in in our world. Which our world uh, so sorely needs. So I'm very excited for uh, the impact, hopefully, that this uh, podcast will have on our listeners, especially during this time. So thank you. So um, as uh, we often try to do, is to share some uh, email stories that we receive from our listeners. And I thought this was, this was very apropos um, today's podcast, but uh, I thought it was really, uh, you know, really sweet and, and really beautiful to receive. So. Um, this is a, a, an email from one of our listeners, students from uh, Argentina. Her name is Gloria. So uh, she says, Hello, I always listen to you from Argentina, and it seems incredible to me that we all have that privilege. I want to thank you for so much kindness. That's on Gloria. Gloria. Go, so keep, keep singing. Why <laughs> don't you the stop? Words. I don't know the words. That's now. all that's in a loop in my brain right now until you formulate the next <laughs> sentence. Okay. <laughs> I think you um, got my number, Glory. Is that how it goes? I have no idea. I you don't know, know that words. song? I know the song. I don't know the words. Never, <laughs> never sang it to you myself. You just don't want to sing along with me. <laughs> no, I literally don't know that song. The, the word, the rest of the words. Keep going, though. I was enjoying that. <laughs> I'm gonna download it. Go ahead. <laughs> Is it a good song? I think it was in Flash. It was I don't know. It's something that I, I like to dance. Never saw to. that movie either. Really? Nope. Saturday night, baby. <laughs> I think it's your cup of tea, though. <laughs> <laughs> COVID changed all, all of us. I lost my place of work for more than 30 years. I got divorced, and many friends left me in my misfortune. I want to tell you, Monica, that when you were in Argentina for your book, Fear is Not an Option, that's a number of years ago now, yeah. and looking into my eyes in such a special way, you dedicated it to me and signed it. Today, thanks to my family, and now I'll... I'll show those of you who are watching on uh, on uh, YouTube or Facebook. You'll see it says Gloria. This is Monica's uh, dedication to her. My messy uh, penmanship there. Yes. At your core, you are fearless. Love, Monica. So she's talking now about the message that you wrote for her in the book. Today, thanks to my family, a very small group of friends, and your book that I have put in a very special place so that it is the first thing I see when I get up. Mm -hmm. Thanks to all this, I have hope and joy to know that this will happen. We will learn a lot, and the best will come. I know that there are there's a lot of work ahead. I wanted to say thank you because the conversations between you two are magical and healing. Thank you very much, Gloria. Oh, that's so beautiful. So th thank, thank you, you Gloria, Gloria, for sharing, and thank you to all of our listeners who share. As uh, we always remind our listeners, we do this because of the inspiration that it brings and uh, hopefully some wisdom that it brings to our listeners. Uh, please 
do everything. If you Wait, can receive, I ask you one question? Go for it. Because <laughs> I, I think I know the answer. I wonder if you're going to remember it. Oh, I didn't get to my question. Wait, I have a question okay, for you. Okay. What was the hardest part of living in quarantine with me? <laughs> there haven't been any hard parts. <laughs> there have. I'll remind oh, there you. There have. Let me think. Let me think. Okay, remind me. I really didn't. Monica, Monica, where did you put my? Oh, but that's always. That's no, but now it's in. heightened because now, it? yeah, because now you're just like you walk like the stuff everywhere, and so I'm constantly like organizing. <laughs> Would that be accurate? Oh, that's true. That's true. But I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that in quarantine. <laughs> I think that's something that happens all the time. <laughs> you're putting my stuff away in different places. Uh-huh. Um, yes. <laughs> um, so if you receive anything from this podcast, please make sure to share it with your friends and family. Make sure to go to Apple Podcasts and write reviews, five-star reviews, Spotify, wherever you get the podcast, YouTube, Facebook, um, so we can reach more and more people and hopefully inspire uh, and give some wisdom to more and new listeners. If you have any questions, any stories that you want to share, any anecdotes, anything you receive from this podcast, please email Monica and Michael, A-N-D, Michael at Kabbalah.com. Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. We'd love to hear from you. Even the stories, again, we don't get to share all the emails or all the stories. We love receiving them, and they continue to inspire us. So please make sure to not be shy and send us everything, every story, every uh, piece of inspiration, to and any questions that you have for future podcasts, Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. And as always, I hope, as I told Monica before, I told all of you before, that I was looking forward to spending at least these, uh, well, now an hour with Monica tonight. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. And I would add that hopefully this podcast finds a way to bring a little bit more love into your life. And if you find yourself having a toast moment, add some jam. (laughs) Bye. Bye.